Awesome. Great to be with you all. I, uh, I think this is the ninth church we've been in in the last two months. Do you want me to let you know? Do you want, do you want me to let you know a little secret? You are. You are. You are still the best-looking church in the whole of the country. Yeah, the title has not been lost. You'll be pleased to know that you still hold that title in our eyes. Don't know what that says about our eyes, but anyway. <laughs> hey, it's great to be with you, and. Um, I, Ruth and I are going to attempt to do something that normally takes an hour and a half, and we're going to attempt to do it in about 40 minutes this morning. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to muck around. Um, there's a lot I'd like to say. It's like, hey, great to be here. Awesome. Love you guys. Awesome. You know, just feel like a part of this family. Um, but I'm just going to rip into it. Um, uh, it's, you know, often when we come here, we will speak prophetically into the, the church and uh, just standing here this morning, picking stuff up. Uh, but I haven't got time for that this morning. We've we, we got, we got business to do. We've got business. Don't worry. We, we will not uh, send you away empty-handed. Um, just want to give you a little bit of background to the course uh, that we're starting now and we are going to be doing over the next two evenings. Um, this is the first time we've done it this way, with um, starting with a Sunday morning. Um, and so, yeah, we're kind of on the fly a little bit. We normally like to make this quite a conversational interactive, uh, especially if you're there for an hour and a half. Nobody wants to listen to me prattle on for an hour and a half. So, um, And so we look for feedback from people, and we're going to do a little bit of that this morning. So if you've come and, uh, you know, you're just planning to have a little wee nana nap for uh, the next 40 minutes, be aware, okay? You've been warned. Um, uh, so, yeah, we are, we are going to get you involved um, the background to this course is, as uh, most of you know, Ruth and I were up in Arnhem Land, Northern Territory, working with the Aboriginal people up there for four years, following in the footsteps of Neville and Christine. I think you guys did seven years up there, was it? Yeah, seven years up there. Um, and uh, one of the things that I noticed straight up being after, I think these guys have been away for about an hour, uh, an hour and a half, actually. <laughs> a year and a half before we got up there. Um, and what I observed was that when our new uh, staff members came onto field, uh, in the first three months, they would, they would get beaten up during the time that we were there, just like sicknesses and uh, family members having to fly out to, uh, to Darwin and uh, just all manner of things hitting them because they come into a new spiritual atmosphere. And believe me, the spiritual atmosphere up there is a lot more overt. Uh, so we could we could see um, signs, wonders, miracles happen just like that up there, um, but that's also because the Aboriginal people up there are also a lot more aware of the spirit realm, um, and uh, and so a lot of syncretism, the mixing of their old culture with um, Christianity, uh, and some yeah some really interesting things going on up there. Beautiful people, beautiful people, uh, and so. I, when, when we arrived, we went through a spiritual warfare course. It had been written by a pastor that I actually knew. Uh, and I thought, yeah, it was good. It was good stuff. Um, but I was still observing people getting beaten up. Uh, and I was like, what can we do to really help people get a good start? Now, you've got to remember that these people that were coming up there, these were, these were missionaries, okay? These, these are the people that you dream of, of having in your church, because they sell up everything and they go and they fulfill the Great Commission to go and spread all the good news to all the world and cast out demons and heal the sick and do all that sort of stuff. And many of them had done uh, quite a chunk of Bible college. They had been through multiple different psycho-evaluations, 
uh, to make sure they were psycho enough to go out there. Um, and uh, yeah, I tell you what, man, I found out all sorts of things about myself uh, with joining, uh, joining to go off onto the mission field. And so I started praying about it. I was like, God, what, what can we do to help people as they come on the field to be able to stand against the stuff that is hitting them? Um, and God revealed to me, actually, yeah, they've done a whole lot of theological training and they've done a whole lot of technical training, but actually on the basic foundational level of their identity, there is something missing. And then what is their authority and then how do they exercise that authority that is missing as well? And so I wrote, well, Ruth and I, we wrote this course uh, that we're going to do um, over the next three sessions. And by the time we were really running with this course, I was then the uh, program manager up there. Uh, so I was in charge of the, of the whole show. Um, and what I was able to observe was a distinct reduction in the number of uh, medical events, um, sick days, all those sorts of things for our team. Uh, because as they got a hold of this, they were able to then exercise their authority and take authority over stuff that was coming against them and put it in its place. Um, and uh, if, you've, if, if you've run a business, especially if you've run a business in the last six months, you know what a pain in the neck sick days are. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's great if, you're <laughs> if you need them, you know, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have them there. Um, but the impact that that can have, and you know, when we had 11 aircraft to keep in the air and we were already struggling for pilots, we needed every, every hand on deck. Uh, and so, yeah, so for me, it was like a direct correlation. I was like, oh, okay, this is working. So as we came into the end of last year, and I mean, let's not go back there. Oh, my goodness. That, that, was, that was just awful. Um, and I spent a lot of time going, God, what can we, what, what is needed right now? And he's like, well, you've got it in your hand. You've got it in your hand. Actually, as believers, we need to know our identity, we need to know our authority, and we need to exercise it. And so what has blown me away this year is we have put it out there and said to people, we've got this course. People have been like, yes, we need that. Uh, I think this is, I don't know, the fifth or sixth time that we're running this this year. Um, and, uh, and we have seen some really cool things happen, uh, really awesome things. Just like um, ran it at a church uh, about a month ago. On the last night, five people just healed right like that. I didn't lay a hand on a single person. And one of the other things that I'm running with, and Ruth and I are running with, is that uh, God spoke to us and said that the next move is a move of healing. It's not necessarily a move of signs and wonders and miracles. They, they are a part of the everyday Christian life. But there is going to be a distinct move in healing. And then over the past probably six weeks, he's really been revealing to us that it's coming through the priesthood of believers. So the role of those that get up on this stage is to equip but actually the role to go out and to re release healing is with every single one of us. That's that how Jesus said it. That's why we will do greater works than Jesus did, because there's more of us running with the Holy Spirit that he sent, laying hands on the sick, seeing them recover. Um, and I, I want to strip off the futuristic tense of that, and I want to say actually we are now in a move of God for healing. Um, and so to the three sessions here, I'm hoping that by the end of these sessions that you will go out better equipped, feeling like you have your, your toolbox all polished up and ready to go, 
wherever you are to see healing released because we have a world that needs it. Now, I don't want to get into vaccines and all those sorts of things. I mean, we've had enough division in this country and the world, actually. But what I do want to say is that it appears to me that the best that man could throw at this COVID thing has still come up short. I think that would be a fair thing to say. Um, you know, pretty much everyone I know in Northland has had COVID. Um, and so the best of what mankind has thrown at it has not worked. But as believers, we have something so much more. We have the spirit who rose Jesus Christ from the dead living in us. And that spirit, when it was in Jesus, <laughs> would go and would lay hands on what was the most communicable disease of the time. In fact, if you, if you touch someone with leprosy, it was almost a certain sentence that you were going to catch leprosy. And Jesus never hesitated, did he? He just went and laid his hands on them, and healing was released. Well, that is, that is what you and I have. That's actually our birthright. It's our birthright. Um, and, uh, and the enemy loves to run in on fear. And oh my goodness, there is still so much fear. And so I also want to disempower the devil in your head. Uh, and that will certainly come in the third session where we just really, we paint the picture of what is the enemy like at this time. So that's where we're, we're coming from. Um, so you guys ready? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. We thank you that it is like a double-edged sword. We sit before you this morning, Lord, and we invite you. We invite you to reveal your truth to us. Where there may be something that is in its place, Lord, help us to dismantle that, to release that to you in order that we can take on all that you took on. We pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the full knowledge of you to totally invade this place this morning. In your awesome name, everyone said. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Cool. Um, I've spoken a lot from Ephesians 1 recently, and um, I pray, actually, just uh, started there on part of Ephesians 1. I pray that Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, would give you the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and the Father in the full knowledge of Him. I pray that your the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know. And he goes on to three different things there. But I don't know about you. I mean, have a look at the person beside you. Can you see eyes in their heart? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. What's he getting at there? How many people can put their hand up and say that they have had a moment where something passed from being, I know this, to actually, I, this is me. I, I embrace this. Anyone have that? I had that with Romans 5.17, through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, where I, I thought I knew grace. But I had an encounter with that scripture one day that just it went from my head, a head knowledge of grace, to a heart knowledge of grace. And that's what we're really looking for here. I don't want to pump you up on a whole bunch of knowledge. I want you to be looking for what is the Holy Spirit wanting to drop into your heart. Now, we're going to give you a lot of good content, but I don't mind if you go out of these sessions with just three things written on a piece of paper. To me, that's, a, that, that's awesome as well, because I want you to catch what is the Holy Spirit wanting to take from your head to your heart. And, and I believe that there'll be many, many moments like that for uh, those that are going right through this course. If you're only able to make it this morning, you're going to get a good start anyway. 
So, ah, Jesus, please heal my laptop screen. You rascal. Okay, Um, just down in my... Down in my... Yep, that's what I need, a paper copy. (laughs) My poor old laptop is... uh, Yep, okay. Um, Right, I'm going to cross over to that microphone. I'm going to give Ruth this microphone. We're going to put a whole bunch of scriptures. Oh, Ruth's got her own. Look at that, awesome. We're going to put a whole bunch of scriptures up here right now. Cool. And what I want to do is I just want to get different people to grab one of those scriptures, and then I'm going to get you to read it out. Ruth will come with the microphone. Okay. Uh, and uh, see, this is interactive. Okay. So who's, who up the back? We're going to start at the back here. Who is happy to look up Romans 8 uh, verse 14? Yep. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Uh, and then Romans 5 verse 17. Who, who, who background in this area? It's the Bible. We should be really good at this. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Uh, and then Philippians three verse twenty. Who can? Someone else over here has got a. Yep. Awesome. Thanks, Debbie. Uh, Romans eight seventeen. Someone. Yes. Thank you, Kerry. I knew you'd 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 come through. One John four four. Awesome. Thank you. Romans eight verse thirty seven. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, you get two verses. Lynn, you better do that one. This, you know, being, it's two verses. This is heavy duty. This is heavy duty. Psalm 139, verse 14. Coming around the front. Sasha, thank you. Awesome. Great. I, I, I could see you're about to offer there. Ephesians 2.10. Janet's got Ephesians 2.10. 1 Peter 2.9. Awesome. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Yes, you guys are, yeah, this is the active side over here. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, verse 13. Yes, thank you. Uh, and the last, lucky last, Ephesians 2, verse 6. Peter, Peter's got it. Okay. All right, awesome. Okay, Ruth, do you want to go, uh, go around and... Um, we will throw up the next. Now, we're going to do it in the order, okay? So remember where you are in the order. What's the scripture that comes before you? Because you'll be the next one. Normally, I write this on a PowerPoint. I'm PowerPoint, PowerPoint, a whiteboard. This time, we're doing with PowerPoint. So first time we've done this, please, we're, we're going to make this work, okay? Okay, so if we bring up a blank screen, and we're just going to paraphrase. We're going to grab the main point uh, that is being said here. So next slide, please. Ah, yes, Okay. Let's get rid of that slide. <laughs> That's right. why I love PowerPoint. Um, yep, let's just start. Uh, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. All right. Okay, so the first thing we're going to grab out there is we've got the children of God. That's a good thought right there, isn't it? Okay, next scripture. Romans. Who had Romans, uh, Romans 5? For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Awesome. So there's that, that cool scripture that we reign in life because of what Jesus has done. It is like we, we don't get by, we don't just serve, we reign. Greek word basileo, which means a kingly judicial rule. We are here on the earth to rule, to subdue, to bring the king's authority and domain. 
you and I, we are here to reign. Hey, whoa, what a cool thought. Awesome, next one. It doesn't really matter on the, uh, on the order now, the, the PowerPoint. Um, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Awesome. So our citizenship there is where? In heaven. What a cool thought. That is seated in heavenly places. Awesome. Next scripture. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we also may share in his glory. Now, how many people have heard that scripture before? Ears of God, co-ears with Christ. Have you, have you stopped and thought about what that is saying? You know, an ear is one who inherits what the, what the person went before has done. So we inherit what God has taken a hold of. But that's a mighty big statement in there that we are co-ears with Christ. Wow. Good thought. Awesome. Next scripture. 1 John 4, 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Awesome. So we are overcomers. Awesome. Next scripture. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I don't know, but every time I hear that scripture, it takes me back when I was about 16, where I was trying to grapple with who I was, and that was one of my first scriptures I uh, memorized. We are more than conquerors through Christ. Awesome. Next one. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Wow. We are ambassadors. We get to carry that ministry of reconciliation to this world. <clears throat> I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Brilliant. Who's next? So I've got Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. All right, God's handiwork. A masterpiece of God created by the great I am. Here's a cool thought for you. It's a revelation that God gave me recently, that the first place that you and I were conceived was in the mind of Christ, the mind of God. So, you know, we read in the Bible a lot about being adopted in, and that's legal language to help us to understand that what, what Jesus did and took place so that we could be grafted into the Abrahamic line. But actually... If we go back beyond that, the first place that you and I were ever conceived was in the mind of Christ. He went, I need a Neville on the planet right now. I need a Miriam on the planet right now. That's cool. Does that, does that spin your wheels? 
you know, we have earthly mums and dads and, and things like that. And, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. And, yep, we decided to have kids. But actually, Maddie was already destined and he was seen in the mind of God before actually the foundations of the earth were even set. Wow. We were just lucky enough to, uh, that he cropped up in our family. And then you guys are just lucky enough that he's come down to live here. <laughs> We've sent you our only begotten son. No, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't say that to Toby. <laughs> don't let that go to your head. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Moving on. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out from the darkness into the wonderful light. I felt like a Morgan Freeman voice just about coming through there, mate. Far out. This is awesome. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. A temple of the Holy Spirit. Wow, I remember right now in this building, there are people who have come to worship. You know, we could say this, a temple building, whatever you want to call. Um, but you, we've got the Holy Spirit dwelling, filling us. Wow, that is so cool. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. The head and not the tail. That's a good place to be, I reckon. Pete, I think you get to wrap it up, don't you? And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So seated in heavenly realms. So we can throw that, that um, PowerPoint up. They were supposed to click up one at a time as we did them, but uh, PowerPoint being PowerPoint... Uh, it always trips me up. So what I love to do is to just fill the board with actually a part of what our identity is in God. Um, and we have just been all through the Bible there pulling out, and there's a whole bunch more scriptures that we could have done. For the sake of time, um, I've had to, to cull some of those out and just grab the key points. But if you look at that up there, that, that's saying a heck of a lot about us. You, the ear of God, a co-ear with Christ. We're ones who are seated in heavenly places. We are overcomers. We're more than conquerors. We're the head and not the, table, the tail. We are a masterpiece of God, God's workmanship created. That is who you are. I love to fill the screen or the board as we normally do with this. Uh, invariably, I find someone will grab a camera out and they'll take a photo of it because, and I know that they've been hit with something. They've been hit with overwhelming evidence of their identity. And you may have looked at one of those scriptures at one time or another at another time or heard them, but when you are hit with the fullness of it, it does something, doesn't it? Um, I know as a, as a young guy, again, when I was trying to just grasp my identity in Christ, that many of these scriptures were the ones that I would quote. And when I was felt like, you know, things were coming at me and I was like being overcome, I would rise up in those things. And I still find myself today uh, down the waterfront in Whangarei and I'll be walking around and I'll just be again declaring who I am uh, in Christ because some stuff uh, needs to be put back in its place. And I need to do it, but I've got to remind myself of 
who I am. That I am actually sitting there in a place of authority, a place of victory at the right hand. I got the incomparably great power that rose Christ from the dead living within me. So it doesn't matter what financial pressure comes against me. It doesn't matter what sickness wants to try and rule the world. I have got an overcoming spirit within me. That is the platform. Our identity is the platform from which we go forward. You know, when you look at royal, mem- royal members of society, they, they know what their platform is. They know who they are that gives them a platform to then go out into the world and to, uh, to carry that royalty and to handle themselves in a certain way. Now, I've got a question for you, and um, don't be afraid to answer. You know, like I say, this is, uh, this is interactive. Okay, so we're seated in heavenly places my question for you is do we deserve to be seated in heavenly places be brave anyone out there just yell out we've got got a no over here yep cool you're you're thinking on that just a no yeah it is a hard one yeah 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 Cool. Other thoughts here? We should walk worthy of our calling? Absolutely. But again, coming back to the question, do we deserve to be seated in heavenly places? Yes. Awesome. That's good. Okay, thank you for wrestling with that. Um, I, I, I appreciate that because there are different ways that you can look at it. I mean, all have fallen short of the glory of God. So, no, as Lynn said, that we have not earned it, but because of what Jesus did, now we can be there. Do we deserve to be there? Well, let me ask it in a slightly different way. Are we valuable enough to be seated in heavenly places? That one we can do an overwhelming yes to, can't we? Yeah, the deserve. I'm I, I'm happy. You know, the semantics there, the English language. We can we could argue and wrestle that one out. But certainly, are we valuable enough? Well, heck, what have we just put up there? You know, you are a masterpiece of God. You are a piece of His workmanship. There is no doubt. The first place that you were conceived was in the mind of God. So there's overwhelming evidence that we are valuable enough to be seated in heavenly places. You see. It's so important that we actually get that, that we understand that we are valuable to, enough to be placed in uh, heavenly places. A lot, of, a lot of believers I speak to, they see their salvation as being a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's like, I'm going to spend eternity with God. Awesome, cool, ticked that one, um, and I can carry on. <laughs> but actually when we look at the teaching of Christ, that he was looking at, this is a total takeover, okay? You are now in the family business, okay? You were lost, but now you're found. You're in the family business. This is all-encompassing. This should reach into every aspect of your life. And so understanding the identity from which we come from then allows us to go out into every sphere and to bring the kingdom because we're always on family business, we're always on royal business. Uh, I work in, uh, a couple, we've got a couple of businesses, and with my staff, I am on royal business. 
I'm revealing to them and I'm helping them to understand who they are in Christ as well. And I can see how some of them are being ripped off because they don't understand it. Even, even ones who are believers are still being ripped off because they don't actually understand their identity and how valuable, how valuable they are. Turn to the person beside you and tell them, you are incredibly valuable. Uh, we're going to pop up another scripture up there, Proverbs uh, chapter uh, 30, verse 21 to 22. Under three things the earth trembles. Well, I'm just going to give you the first thing, okay? Under four it cannot be bear up. A servant who becomes a king. What's that getting at? Why would it say a servant? Be- Surely that's a good thing, isn't it? A servant who becomes a king, but it's saying that the earth can't bear up under that. Any Any thoughts? Any thoughts on why? Be brave. Otherwise, you're all going to go to sleep. So I've got to, I got to keep you on your toes here. Preconditioned? Yep. Yeah, cool. But like a servant who becomes king. Let, let's stick with that. A servant who becomes king. Why? Yeah, up the back. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, servant has to be told what to do. Yep. Yep, he was, but it's saying that the earth won't bear up under that, isn't it? One of the things? Messing with you. Yeah, okay, I'm just, uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, so the perception of, of others could be, yeah, yep, yeah. I, I, I put another question out to you. Who was it that led the Israelites out of Egypt? Yeah, Moses. Where was Moses raised? In the palace. Why? As a son, yeah. Why? And then he was the one that led them out. You see, when when you come from that slave mentality, and, and probably servant there, we could think in terms of a slave. Uh, that That's the aspect of servant that it's getting. It's... it's, it's bought they are bought um when we come from that mentality that's all we know whereas moses was raised in pharaoh's household so he under he understood what it was to live in the full trappings of that position he understood what freedom actually looked like whereas 400 years of captivity the israelites did not know what that looked like And so they were raised, so Moses was raised to then lead them out because he had an idea of what freedom looked like, of what a promised land could look like. And so the the thing that I'm getting at here is why is it so important to understand our identity and to understand our royal position? Because if we don't understand that, we don't know what we can lead other people into. And again, I've found a lot of believers who actually have quite a, a servant-type mentality. But when you look at the stages of relationship that Jesus wants to take us through, he wants to take us right through to the most intimate relationship that we know here on earth, which is a bride, a bride and a groom. And so he's really looking for an intimate relationship there. I no longer call you servants. 
I call you friends because you know my business. And I want you to carry this freedom and this liberty out to a hurt and broken world. Cool. You guys are doing well. I'm, I'm getting deliberately getting you just to think through some of these things. And I appreciate those people who are, who are um, coming forward and, out and bringing some answers out. Let's watch a, a clip from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Isn't there anything we can do to help Tumnus? They're taking him to the witch's house. And you know what they say, there's few that go through them gates that come out again. Fish and chips. <laughs> but there is hope, dear. Lots of hope. Oh, yeah, there's a right bit more than hope. Aslam is on the move. Who's Aslan? <laughs> Who's Aslan? <laughs> you cheeky little blighter. <laughs> what? You don't know, do you? Well, you haven't exactly been here very long. Well, he's only the king of the whole wood. The top geezer. The real king of Narnia. He's been away for a long while. But he's just got back. And he's waiting for you near the stone table. He's waiting for us. You're blooming joking. They don't even know about the prophecy. Well, then... Look. Aslan's return. Tumma's arrest. The secret police. It's all happening because of you. You're blaming us? No, not blaming. Thanking you. There's a prophecy. When Adam's flesh and Adam's bone sits at Ker Perivel in throne, the evil time will be over and done. You know, that doesn't really rhyme. Yeah, I know it don't, but you're kind of missing the point. It has long been foretold that two sons of Adam and two daughters of Eve will defeat the White Witch and restore peace to Narnia. And do you think we're the ones? Well, you better be, because Aslan's already fitted out your army. Our army? Mum sent us away so we wouldn't get caught up in a war. I think you've made a mistake. We're not heroes. We're from Finchley. Thank you for your hospitality. But we really have to go. You can't just leave. He's right. We have to help Mr. Tomnus. It's out of our hands. I'm sorry. But it's time the four of us were getting home. Do you ever feel like with Jesus that, you know, he's kind of like looking to you and you're like, what? You, you're looking to me? He's like, yeah, he is. Great, great book there, um, Lion, the Witch and Revolve by C.S. Lewis. Um, and them going on a journey to understand their royal identity in order that they can be a part of liberating and bringing freedom uh, to a, a world that desperately needed it. But the key line there I want you to pick up was, we're not heroes, we're just from Finchley. And so there's a whole bunch of stuff that can happen in our lives that can try to define to us, can try to dictate what our value is. Uh, and you, it may be, um, you may have had things spoken over you at school, you may have had things spoken over you uh, by your parents, you may have had things spoken over by uh, you by significant 
others. There may have been uh, things that have happened to you that you've come away feeling or feeling less than. And so again, if we want to bring a freedom to the world, it's not letting those things define us. Yes, we work those things through. We see what they did to us. We get the truth of God in, in order that we can stand in the fullness of our identity. And these guys went on that journey. Uh, and uh, you know, young Peter there, he went on that journey big time of trading trading things in and then going, whoa, I've made a massive mistake and having to go on a redemptive journey there. On August 21st, 1911, something significant was stolen. Now, this may be the one time that you're allowed to pull your cell phone out in church and be really rude and, uh, and, and um, do some keyboard worrying, okay? Uh, I, want you to, I want you to find what that is. What went missing on August 21st, 1911? First one to yell it out um, can have a free glass of water. I'll tell you what, we're feeling generous this morning. What was it? Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa was stolen uh, and... It was stuffed in the bottom of a trunk. Does anyone know how long it was missing for? Anyone catch that detail while they were? Two years. Apparently it was about two years that the Mona Lisa was missing. What gives the Mona Lisa its value? The painter. Who's the painter? Da Vinci? Leonardo DiCaprio? Leonardo da Vinci gives the picture its value. And plus, that it doesn't matter where you stand, she can look at you. I mean, that's creepy. Anybody seen the Mona Lisa up? Uh, up? Yeah, look at that. We cultured people in the place. Awesome. So when you went and saw the Mona Lisa, do you have any idea of what the value was of the room that the Mona Lisa is stored in? It's several million dollars. Um, in fact, actually, $75 million, uh, to be precise. You know, $75 million. What, what is the value of the Mona Lisa? It's priceless. But we can get an indication of $75 million. I don't know about you, but um, that's, a, that's a heck of a lot of money to me. Uh, the painting itself is priceless. The thing that gives it its value is that it was painted by Leonardo da Vinci. Amazing man. He was an architect, a musician, an engineer, a scientist, an inventor. He sketched the first parachute. He sketched the first helicopter, the first airplane apparently, the first tank, the first repeating rifle, uh, the swinging bridge, the paddle boat, and the first motor car apparently. Da Vinci designed machines of war as well. Did anyone ever go and see Da Vinci's Amazing Machines when it toured around and they actually took some of his sketches and made them? Okay, Jeff, yeah, and yep. Oh, look, man, there's, there's definitely culture in this room this morning. It's awesome. Um, yeah, so an amazing man... We are valuable. We are valuable. Why? Because of our artist. We're created in his image. And, you know, it can be very easy to be, uh, to depreciate ourselves. Um, and even, you know, go back, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, that's not where you, no. You were conceived in the mind of Christ, of God. 
That is where your value, your intrinsic value comes from. I mean, I don't know about you, but I didn't look at Mount Cook and go, just, well, it's just a bunch of rocks with a little bit of white stuff on it. And I look at Mount Cook and I go, that thing's, that's awesome. I've flown around it several times and just gone, that's a, ah, I love it. So why do we do it to ourselves? Why do we do it to ourselves? It doesn't make us a better Christian. Yes, humility is a great thing. Humility is a great thing. But a, um, a humility that robs us of our value, is, that, that's not what God wants. That's not what he's looking for when he says to walk humbly before him. He's looking for us to understand, yes, through the incredible act of what Jesus did, we stand here. But now he's looking for us to live in the fullness of that identity and the fullness of it. Our value comes from our artist. And, um, you know, when you watch kids play, kids love to play at being, you know, Batman or superheroes and the Marvel movies and all those sorts of things. You know, that, that captures kids. Somewhere along the line, people get talked out of being great. Like, I don't know, I mean, I'm glad I wasn't here last Sunday morning because I know you all would have been working through just a heavy, heavy grief of as your iconic team, <laughs> as your iconic team, we're taken out. We're taken out by the Irish, who are good people, of course. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the nation just about goes into a state of mourning. And some of you are like, yeah, not me, yeah. <laughs> when, we, when we look at the, the All Blacks, when we look at the New Zealanders right now who are starring in the Commonwealth Games and are winning us golds and silvers, we feel a sense of pride, don't we? We love seeing people be all that they can be. When they work hard to achieve something, we love that. And so as believers... Man, I celebrate when I see believers standing up in their identity and getting out there and being all that they can be. When they're bringing the kingdom into their workplace. I love hearing stories and accounts of that. I love it when I hear about people who've gone and they've crossed the chicken line and they've, they've prayed for somebody. I mean, Glenn this morning, just talking about, he was out yesterday, was a walking and he had a word of knowledge. He's looking for the kingdom to invade somebody's life. You know, I, I celebrate that, and all of heaven celebrates that. That is part of the greatness, that is part of our value that we get to take to the world. Was the Mona Lisa any less valuable when it was lost? When it was stuffed in the bottom of a trunk, was it any less valuable? No. Neither were you and I when we were stuck in sin. In fact, Jesus came, gave his whole life, went through the most imaginably painful death because of the value that you and I have. Are you catching that this morning? You are incredibly valuable. I just get a, a sense we just need to stop for a moment and just allow the Holy Spirit to finish a little bit of work in some people's heart on that. You've just looked at those words up there on the screen. God's workmanship. You've just been challenged on what humility actually is. 
just, a little, just close your eyes for a moment and just say, Holy Spirit, right now, just remind me of how valuable I am to you. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, for as we think in our hearts, so are we. So again, if if we think of ourselves as sinners just making it through, saved by grace, or if we think of ourselves as ones who are conceived in the mind of Christ, as God's workmanship, then that is what we will release and reveal to people. That's the good news that we have to share with people is that there is a God who created them. That's where their value comes from. And he wants them to be a part of revealing that to other people. The ministry of reconciliation. We are about the Father's business. We know what freedom what liberty, what more than conquerors, what victory is like in order that we can Share that with a hurt and broken world. We know what it is to have authority over the, all, over the enemy's power so that we can reveal that to a world right now which is struggling with the most imaginable fear I've ever seen in my lifetime on the face of the planet. We've got the answers. And we've got the positioning to be able to take this to a hurting, broken world if we think as princes as we think as princesses then we carry that as we think of ones just from Finchley not heroes just come from this little old town called Rangior (laughs) not so little now I don't know what you're doing to the place it just keeps exploding there's 5,000 people when I moved here If we think like that, we have something to offer to the world. I want to I give you a thought. I, I don't think this will be a new thought for you guys. Um, but I want to suggest to you that up until the point of salvation, the Holy Spirit is revealing to us our sin and our desperate need for a Savior. But I believe that there's a transition that takes place at the point of salvation where the Holy Spirit starts convicting us of our righteousness of our right standing with God you go well you know semantics Chris I'm like no because if we think that God the Holy Spirit is just always convicting of our sin and we're stuck in sin and you know compared to actually if we are righteous one is a position trying to achieve something the other is a position that has been given something that stands in something So therefore, we're no longer trying to get out of sin, but if we do sin, we go down to sin. Is that okay? So so I had a situation, it was actually in this church many years ago, where I was just wrestling with something. And I got to the point, I was just like, Holy Spirit, man, I I, I have worked through this for years and I had victory. I tried to climb myself out of this and I had victory and now in just a moment something's happened it's thrown me into something of my past I, I, I feel like I'm down in some 
some stuff I'm wrestling with, and I don't and I don't want to be in here. And I didn't. I didn't try to work myself out of it. I simply lifted my hands and I said, "God, just help me. Reveal to me again of where I'm situated." And you know what? It just left like that. Why? Because I understood the royal position and identity, and the Holy Spirit came in and said, "Yeah, Chris, that's beneath you. He just revealed that's that's beneath you. You've you've got you've got all of the Father's gifts lavished upon you. What do you need that for?" Such a cool thought, eh? Such a cool thought. Our identity is ambassadors. Our identity is citizens of heaven. That is where we come from, and that is the platform from which we can go out to this hurt and broken world. So we don't need to get down there and talk about gossip. We don't need to get down there and get all involved in negative talking and be like the Israelites grumbling as we go through the desert. This is not a part of us. Position is sons and daughters of the Most High God. Wow! How, what, what do I want that for? Man, he lavishes his love. This morning, he lavished his love upon us. Wow! Very simple. That royal position and identity and stepping out from there. Let's just finish with this clip. Um, and let's see how, uh, how the team got on at, uh, at Narnia. Listening Eastern Sea, I give you Queen Lucy, the Valiant. the great western wood, King Edmund, the just, to the radiant southern sun, Queen Susan, the gentle, and to the clear northern sky, I give you King Peter, the magnificent. Once a king or queen of Narnia, always a king or queen. May your wisdom grace us until the stars rain down from the heavens. Long live King Peter! Long live King Edward! Long live Queen Susan! Long live King Edward!
pretty cool ending for those guys, eh? As they go on that journey, they understand the position that they actually have there in Narnia. And uh, I, I hope this morning that we've, we've started to set a, a foundation for you in terms of your identity, in terms of your positioning. Um, and I get a sense that there's a few people this morning that, you know, you just, there's some stuff you've gone, oh, okay, that's confronted me in terms of what I think about myself. Um, and I'll tell you what, the enemy would love to come in and keep you in that place, but God wants to liberate you by his truth. Uh, and so um, at the end of the three sessions, we're going to send everyone away with all of the notes from this, and they'll be available in the church even if you, I, I won't give them out till the end of the third session. The reason for that is because it has some clues on some of the questions that I ask you, or the answers, because so, it kind of ruins it. Um, but they, you know, if you can only be here this morning, those notes will obviously be available for you to pick up next, um, next Sunday as well. And take those scriptures and go through it and have a look at it. Um, there's, a, there's a bit that I've had to cull this morning out because of time. Um, and, uh, but I hope you know, you've started to get an idea of where you are positioned. Let me pray for you um, as we close this morning. Father, I thank you for your word, that your word is truth, Lord, that it is the plumb line from which we should live our lives, Lord Jesus. Father, where there has been self-humility, Lord, a humility that's not of you, Lord, but is actually the enemy trying to keep us in a low position. Father, we thank you for utter destruction of that this morning. And Father, for a setting in place of your truth and of your humility and of your royal identity for each and every person in this place. Father, we thank you that you are a good God. And Lord, you delight to reveal to us who we are. Lord, because you're looking to us. You're looking to us to take and to transform a hurt and broken world. I pray these things in your awesome name. Everyone said, Amen.